We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Shevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. We're the official podcast of SI Thunder, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home of the 2022 NBA champions, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not really, but the Thunder are actually on on sort of a hot streak right now. Um, they beat the New Orleans Pelicans tonight, 108 to 100. Uh, Game got pretty close at the end, although the Thunder had a 21-point fourth-quarter lead, um, allowed the Pelicans to come back a little bit. We'll get more into the game here in a little bit. Um, I just want to talk about, before we get started on on the Pelicans game in general, just this team and, and how they stack up against some of the other lower-tier teams. And when I say lower-tier, um, I don't mean that in terms of like, franchise quality, more just this record this season and kind of who's who's headed towards the lottery, who's going to be looking at a top five pick this year. And um, I think it's interesting because at the start of the season, as everybody knows, we've talked about this quite a bit. The Thunder were put in a category uh, unlike any other. You know, the the Pistons were bad. The Pelicans are obviously bad. Um, You know, the the Houston Rockets are bad. Like all those teams only have one win. Actually, I think um, uh, Houston or or, uh, Detroit will have uh, a second win tonight once that game finishes up. Um, but the Thunder were called the black eye of the league, um, have too many picks, you know, not going in the right direction, no veterans. And it's just been really, really cool to see them combat all of the, um, national narratives that were following the first few games of the season. Um, you know, people that don't cover this team, that don't watch this team, don't understand the veteran presence of guys like Mike Muscala and Kendrick Williams and Derek Favors, just because they're not, you know, former superstar veterans. You know, the, the classic example is Cleveland has Kevin Love, who has been in the league for a long time, has has won a lot of games, has, you know, NBA championship experience. That doesn't make him a better leader, right? Like there's there's the resume of you as a player, and there is the intangibles that veterans have that rub off on the young guys that, that aid in their development. And I think that often gets, 
confused, right? We, we, we look at this guy as a better veteran because he's had more success. And it's the same as a coach. Like we've seen plenty of really, really good NBA players that we thought were brilliant, you know, high basketball IQ on the court, but end up not being great coaches. And I think it's a similar, a similar thing when it comes to veterans. And after the Spurs game over the weekend, um, it was really, really telling when, you know, Darius Baisley walks into media availability. And before anybody could even ask a question, you know, he said, Hey guys, I just want to put this out there. You know, Mike Muscala stayed ready. You know, he had 20 points in that game, uh, really was, was the catalyst in that comeback win and, and was a huge reason they actually won that game. Um, said, I don't know if, if Mike knows this, but I look up to him and I think that's really telling Jeremiah Robinson Earl had similar comments. Um, he also talked about, uh, Kenrich Williams and, and Derek Favors and, I just think from a, an outsider's perspective, I guess I can sort of understand the narrative from the national media. Like these these games that Thunder are playing are not on national TV. They get like two NBA TV games a year, no TNT, no ESPN, none of that. So like unless you're just dying to watch the Thunder on League Pass or they're the only team on, you know, a West Coast game, um, you know, at 1030 at night, it's just not a team that people watch. So as lazy as the narratives may sound, you know, it's, it's just people don't follow this team. And, and I think over the past week, two weeks that they've really combated some of these narratives, you know, they're four and two over the past two weeks, the Thunder are, um, that's actually a top 10 record in the NBA over that stretch. Uh, the Kings, as I'm recording right now are losing and they're the team right above them in the standings. Um, if they lose, I think the Thunder will be half a game out of the play-in tournament. So for those that, that aren't familiar, uh, historically the NBA has been one through eight. Those teams make the playoffs and um, no one else gets in. And more more recently, they've, they've made a rule change where the ninth and 10th seed do have a chance to make the, the playoffs via a play-in tournament, albeit the, the odds are kind of stacked against you the way it works. And as it should be, you know, you're a ninth and 10th seed, not a seven, eight. But um, the fact that the Thunder after the, the start they had and and the bashing they got by the national media are just half a game out of the play-in tournament is spectacular. Um, they've got a better record than eight teams in the NBA right now. And, and as I say this, I, I think it's worth, worth noting, I by no means think this is sustainable. I'm not sitting here saying the Thunder are going to be a team that's battling for a play-in spot, um, nor do I think that they're going to have any more three game winning streaks or, or four and two stretches through six games like this, this is likely an anomaly. You know, they're, they're kind of hitting an, an easier part of their schedule. You know, even the, the contenders they're playing like the Lakers are just struggling to find their identity. No LeBron uh, teams are kind of sitting guys, you know, the Spurs weren't a great team. So, you know, all this is kind of happening at the right time. I think it's, it's really big for confidence. I don't buy the narrative of, you know, teams not winning it hinders development because you're instilling a losing culture i don't believe that for a second um however i do believe that small victories can be key and i actually asked mark mark dagnall this before uh tonight's game just asking you know they're they're super high on the zero zero mentality anytime you ask a question about a previous game um dagnall and the team that's the first thing they always say is, you know, we have a zero zero mentality coming into each game, clean slate, blank canvas. You guys have heard it all. Um, but I thought it was interesting when I asked him about, you know, going on these winning streaks and, and what that means for development for these young guys. And 
his his answer was, you know, you got to get these carrots along the way, and, it, and it's big for confidence. And you know, although they're still going to have that zero zero mentality, it's really good to see the work pay off, right? Like think about think about all of us and our our regular lives, whether it's our job or you know our, our our side hobby, whatever we're working on. If you don't see the results, you can also often get complacent, right? It's it's not that you know maybe maybe you don't hit your goal or maybe you don't get where you're trying to go you know, right away, but without seeing those little carrots along the way, which is what Dignot was talking about, it's easy to get discouraged. Um, and I think these, these win streaks like this, again, not sustainable, but I do think it's very, very important to, to have these streaks for, for confidence reasons and seeing, seeing the process pay off. Like the, the, these guys are developing, you know, whether it's an individual player having a good night like Jeremiah Robinson Earl against the Spurs on Sunday great night um, huge for his confidence didn't play as great tonight but it's it's those little carrots along the way whether it's a game whether it's a possession right like let's let's say a player that doesn't give many minutes has a couple good possessions like it's the little things along the way where they say you know I, I've been practicing this for for weeks and I'm finally seeing it pay off that next day at practice like they they've got that mindset that mentality to go in and and keep working, right? So I think again, not sustainable. A lot of people are gonna have the the take that the Thunder are winning too much now. Um, they're too far ahead in the standings. They're not gonna get that top five pick, guys. It's a long season. Um, this team is just over ten percent of the way through the season. We saw what happened last year. They were, I think, sixteen and nineteen with SGA in the lineup, and you know, down the stretch, things will happen. Uh, I'm not saying there's going to be fake injuries, but there's going to be some funky lineups and some trades. Who knows what happens? But I think this team is still certainly on track to to earning one of those um, bottom spots. And, you know, going back to kind of the, the original point I was trying to make talking through this is this, this Thunder team is different than some of the other bottom feeder teams, right? Like you look at Houston, they've got talent, right? Like, they, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood and Shane Good, all these guys. Like, they've got the talent. Same with the Pistons. They've got Cade Cunningham. They've got Killian Hayes. They've got Isaiah Stewart. They've got talent. All these teams do. The Pelicans, Zion, like, they, they, they've got the talent. It's different, though, because I think the culture is different. Um, I'm not bashing on the culture of the Pistons or the Rockets or the Pelicans, but the Thunder with Sam Presti at the helm I think have a lot of advantages. It's a it's a city that's seen a lot of success. Uh, they're not going to take shortcuts to get back there, but I think that that being in this culture is just fine. Losing games, like if the Thunder were to lose their next fifteen games, by no means do I think it's going to be a negative impression on the development of these players. And and also the the really obvious thing is you look at the. I mean, right now the standings are a little bit wonky. Like I said, the Thunder have a better record than eight teams. But if you look at like the the projected win totals for this season, and you look at the bottom five teams, you know a lot of those teams that we've talked about at the the top of the show here, none of those guys have an SGA. Like maybe they have a Cade Cunningham who has the potential to be better than SGA. Um, maybe they have a better young core of players. I would argue the Rockets have have a really really solid young core. Um, but they they don't have a Shea Gilgis Alexander of of those bottom feeder teams, quote unquote bottom tier teams. Shea Gilgis Alexander is by far the best player 
on any of those teams. And so as we think about the rebuild and, you know, this team is X years away, this team is is X plus two years away. First of all, it's, it's impossible to say that, you know, it, there's no way to say the Thunder could be a playoff team in two years and the Rockets maybe four and the Pistons could be six. No way to, no way to say that. There's, there's going to be luck along the way. We saw that in the lottery last year. There's going to be some teams that get that that top pick and, and expedites their rebuild. They get a, a Paolo or a Chet. There's going to be teams like the Thunder that thought they had a chance at a, a two top five picks and end up getting six, right? There's going to be a lot of things that happen. There's going to be trades. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be young guys that exceed expectations. There's going to be um, young guys that, that don't, right? Like you look at the past decade of the NBA draft and you look at the top five picks, almost never do even three of those guys end up being worth where they were drafted, right? Like maybe they end up being solid role players. But if I'm not mistaken, in the past it's 10 or 15 years, there's not even been one draft class that has more than three all-stars in the top five. Um, I think the Trey Luca draft has been the closest thing to it if I'm not mistaken, but even then, like Marvin Bagley, the guy's not playing. And, and maybe that's maybe that's the fault of the Kings, maybe that's the fault of Bagley, but he was the number two pick. Like, there's going to be guys in this top five. It's the harsh reality. Even throw Josh Gideon there in the top six. Out of that, those top six guys from this last draft, maybe three or four will end up being star-level players. Maybe Josh Giddey's one of them, maybe he's not. But if you look at history, and that's all we can go off of is, is data and, and what's already happened... There's no chance that all six of those guys are going to be good. One of Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy, Scotty Barnes is going to be a, a severely underperformed player. And so just take that consideration. Um, a lot's going to happen. You know, everyone kind of thinks in the moment, you know, is this team winning? Is this team losing? What's the outlook? And I, I know I'm ranting now, but just, just keep in mind that a lot's going to happen both during this season and going forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So getting into the actual game, I know you guys are, are listening to this right now to um, get a recap of the uh, recent Pelicans games is a post-game podcast, obviously. I, I do things a little bit differently than some of the other co-hosts. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the game, but I, I like more overarching themes and higher-level things that are happening that I see throughout this game that I think may may impact the team going forward. So just to give a, a quick recap of 
um, kind of what happened in this game. The the Thunder got out to a really, really good start, which is something they haven't done a lot this season. Um, coming into this game, they had three wins, all three of which were comeback wins of at least 15 points. So, so this team has a habit of getting down early, and sometimes they climb out. Other times uh, they don't, and, and they lose badly. And I thought tonight was was you know throwing that first punch, setting the tone against the Pelicans team that, frankly, is is probably kind of low on the morale side of things. They don't have their best player in Zion. Brandon Ingram's missed you know handful of games in a row. They've got the worst record in the NBA. They're just playing horrible basketball. Um, I think I think Oklahoma City really came out through that first punch, and, and that was huge for them. Um, game kind of went. A little bit back and forth, I think overall the Thunder really controlled this game from start to finish, but um, I think they had a six-point halftime lead. Uh, third quarter came around. This was this was impressive to me. Is uh, The first half, Shea Gildas-Alexander was was not great. And in fact, he, he didn't even close the game great. But it was it was refreshing to see this team that, that relies so heavily on him, and this is something that you know he's going to have to carry this team uh, throughout this year to have success if they want to win games. They were really, really good, despite him being a little bit passive, not making shots. Um, you know, they got a lot of production from Lou Dort. They got a lot of production from Darius Baisley. I think that says a lot about this team. Again, they're playing the Pelicans, not a good team. It's it's just one night. But regardless, seeing an NBA game where Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't perform well in the first half, and the Thunder go into the locker room at halftime with the lead. Impressive nonetheless. From, the, from there, the third quarter, um, Shea picked things up. They had a 14 to 1 run in that third quarter, in which SGA scored or assisted on, I believe, 12 straight points. Um, from there, they went to the fourth quarter. They had a 21 point lead, like I'd mentioned at the top of the show. Um, and ultimately, the Pelicans got kind of close down the stretch. Nikhil Alexander Walker um, finished the game with 30 plus points. I think he had. 21 points in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So he had a great night. Um, but overall, uh, Thunder dominated this game front to back. They, they, they did a lot of things good. They did a lot of things bad. Just to go through the box score here, just to some, some player stats. Um, Lou Dort, the, the team's high score with 27 points. Shea Gildas-Alexander, 24 points, albeit on 19 shots. I mentioned he struggled quite a bit. Um, I'm one of those people... It's great to see, you know, this guy scored 30, this guy scored 40, but it, it's for me, it's always first question is how many shots and 24 sh- uh, points on 19 shots for Shea, not impressive. Um, could have been a lot better, but they pull out the win anyways. He also pulled down seven rebounds, uh, had five assists. Josh Giddy looked like he was on triple double watch and, and didn't play as much as I thought he probably should have in the fourth quarter. He finished um, recently. Mark's been taking him out middle of the middle of the fourth quarter and not putting him back into the last couple of minutes um not sure why that is but it's been happening quite a bit he finished with seven points nine assists and 12 rebounds Darius Baisley 14 points seven boards um did a lot of his work in the first half we've seen that from Bays quite a bit recently he comes out hot um another great game from him you know he's very inconsistent but it's been a, a few a few good games for Darius Baisley uh consecutively here So I just want to talk about a a couple things that have started to stick out as um, things we've had enough of a sample size to actually kind of believe in. You know, this team is is just over 10% of the way through the the 2021-22 season. Um, So until you have a sample size, I think last year 
uh, Mark had mentioned like 20, 25 games is, is the Thunder's sample size for starting to actually make major tweaks on things. You know, to this point, he's talked about it. You know, they're, they're making what he calls micro tweaks. But uh, Derek Favors in the mid-range, uh, admittedly, I have not watched, you know, Derek Favors every single night in his entire career, you know, playing in Utah. Um, however, obviously this year, I've got to see him play a lot more. I've got to see him um, shoot around in practice, a lot of those types of things. And his mid-range game is is solid. And I don't know if that's something that has always been a big part of his game. You know, you can go look at the box scores of, of his previous games, but those never tell the full story. Um, he's been solid in the mid-range. He's, he's missed a lot of layups. Uh, there's probably 10 assists that he owes Josh Giddy this year. I'm just missing some some give me layups, but in the mid range, like he's really, really solid. I still don't know it at 10 million a year ish. If he is, is somebody that a contender is going to give any sort of draft capital, even a second rounder to take on. Um, there's still a lot of things. He doesn't do great, but his mid range has looked really, really good early this season. We saw that tonight. I think he had uh, two or three buckets uh, kind of in the middle of the game and the flow of things from the mid range. And it's been really impressive. He's also comfortable stepping out, hitting threes. Not that he's a he's a stretch big by any by any means, but but he does have that ability. And I think just defense is knowing that he he has that ability is is crucial for this team. You know, he's not a stretch big, but when he's on the floor, if he steps out, you know, defense is up to be honest. Um, Dort offensively, I think has been spectacular at times. You know, obviously he's inconsistent. Same with Darius Baisley. Um, and just a quick aside on Darius Baisley, I think his best ball, like I mentioned, has been recently um, playing within himself. That's the biggest thing for Baze. When he tries doing too much, and it's same for Poku. Poku's a lot more raw than Baze and has a long ways to go before he's a viable NBA player. But similar for Baze, like when he plays within himself and he doesn't try to do too much and he just uses athleticism to get boards and, and knock down threes and... You know, be an athlete. He's a he's a solid defender. He asks he asks Mark Dagnall for defensive assignments. That's something that that Mark's talked about recently. Is is Darius comes to him and asks, you know, hey, I want to guard this guy tonight. Like I want to become one of our better defenders. And the only way to do that is to actually defend those guys in real games. And so that's that's just an aside on Basley. I think playing within himself and and defining his role. He's never going to be a superstar, and once he kind of realizes that and, and finds his niche, I think he's going to be a really solid player. I don't think he's going to be the starting power forward for the Thunder when they're a playoff team again. Um, I don't even know if he'll be on the team at that point, but if he does uh, earn an extension with this team and sticks around long-term, I think he really would be a solid, versatile backup kind of wing stretch four. But going back to Dort, um, offensively tonight, like I mentioned, 27 points. He led the team in scoring. Um, he's knocking down threes. He's very, very confident getting to the rack, using his his linebacker frame to disrupt offensively. And, and obviously, he's known for being a defender. Uh, Mark just just talked pregame about, um, you know, when you have guys. And we talked about this. It reminded me of of Andre Robertson. He said, when you have guys that are elite defensively, that's great. But if they can't give you production offensively, you kind of have to decide between like, like situationally and in different lineups, do we need offense or do we need defense? And when you have a guy like Lou, who's starting to put together an offensive game, that's not a concern. Like you can put him in the game in whatever situation, you know, you're going to get that defense. You know, there's at least a chance that he can, he can score offensively. And tonight he was, he was literally the, the thunder offense. Like they would not have been where they were without him. He was, he was spectacular offensively. And, 
Um, props to him. It was one of his one of his better nights. Um, a couple more kind of themes here. Um, I mentioned Giddy's missed assists with Derek Favors. That happens across the board. Like I'm I'm convinced he would be averaging seven or eight assists a game if it wasn't for his teammates kind of whiffing shots. I know that happens everywhere. Like you could go back and look at any young guy, even not even young. You can go back and look at any player that was a high assist guy, Russell Westbrook. And you see those those moments where you're like, God, it could have been an assist, like like two or three game that, that could have been an assist. And I think um, it's been impressive the fact that he's he's had these games or he's had these high assist numbers. Tonight it was nine assists. He had 12 boards. He led the, the team in rebounding. Um, the Pelicans are a good rebounding team. You know, they're a top 10 rebounding team. That's been without Zion all year. Jonas Valanciunas is a spectacular, extremely underrated player. The Thunder won the rebound battle uh, in large part uh, due to jo- Josh Giddy, who had 12, led the team. In rebounding tonight, he's a 6'9 guard. And in post-game, he was actually asked, you know, what makes you so special as a rebounder? And he admitted, he was like, I actually don't box out as much as I should, which is kind of surprising. And and yeah, thinking back, you actually don't see Josh, you know, fundamentally boxing out guys. He just said, I'm a, I'm a ball hawk. I'm a ball hunter. He said, I, I see the ball coming off. He called it the ring, which is... Just funny hearing from him instead of the rim, like like in the states we say, you know, coming off the rim or whatever it might be. He said the ring, um, so he's just a ball hawk, and we've seen that with Russell Westbrook, right? Like Russ was never a guy that would box out. Russ was a little bit different because he was skying up, and getting boards, with athleticism. Um, but same with Giddy, just being a ball hawk, he doesn't you know sky above the rim and grab a board, but he just knows where it's going and has a nose for the ball, which is. Which is interesting, and you see that defensively too. Like he gets, he gets quite a few steals, and it's not like locking down a guy and picking his pocket, but it's it's just having a nose for the ball and, and knowing where it's going next. I think it comes down to IQ. Um, a couple other things, and we'll wrap it up here. Gabe Deck. I don't know why he plays. I'll be completely honest. That might be uh, a little bit too direct there, but I, I truly think every minute Gabe Deck plays takes away from a prospect that actually is going to be part of this team going forward. And I don't know if it's if it's Sam trying to increase his trade value or fulfill a promise or what it is. I mean, there's got to be a reason. Like, this this organization isn't dumb. Like, they're, they, they sign him for a reason. They're playing him for a reason. I don't know what it is yet, but I, it's interesting to see him out there. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Trey Mann uh, took all of Teo's minutes tonight. Um, Teo has been playing a lot recently. Didn't play it all tonight. Mark was asked post-game why that was, and it sounds like it was kind of a, a planned thing. Um, they liked what they saw from Trey Mann in the G League with the blue, especially defensively, Mark said. And, and Mark has several times made the comment of, like, Trey Mann's career in the NBA, both this season and going forward, is going to be dependent on his defense. Like, his offense is good. His offense is always going to be there. But unless he can defend, um, you know, his, his career is not going to be not going to be long. And so they liked what they saw in the G League, he got a bunch of minutes tonight, had some flashy plays. He's going to be a crafty scorer, man. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and this was inconsistent rotations is kind of what I'll wrap up with here. Depending on the night, you see different guys play. You see different centers starting, whether it's JRE or um, Derek Favors. You see Teo, Ty, Trey Man, like all these guards kind of switching off minutes. I know it's because they're trying to, to see what they have in these different guys, how they fit in different lineups, who's going to thrive in different situations. Um, it's got to be tough as a player, though, like knowing that one night you could play zero minutes, the next night you could play 25. So it's it's really that 
when you get your chance, you got to take it. He actually, Mark mentioned that Teo's going to be playing some G League ball this year, um, which might be surprising to some, but, but uh, you know, it sounds like he's once again going to be playing playing some G League. Um, he looked good in summer league against lower competition this summer, so uh, maybe he'll, he'll be the same in the G League this year. But just to wrap things up again, Oklahoma City wins tonight's game 108 to 100. They're now 4 and 6 on the season. I think they're 2 and 2 at home and they're heading back home for these next two games. Um the the Brooklyn Nets should be tough even though they're having some issues of their own with you know Kyrie not playing and and Harden, you know, not being himself for the majority of the season, but uh, they got the Kings coming up next. The Kings of I've been interesting this year. They, they've shown flashes of being good. They've shown flashes of being really bad. If I were to guess, they're not going to be good this year at all. Um, that should be a fun game. Like there's there's a real chance that the Thunder win a fourth game in a row and and go to that Brooklyn game with the five and six record. So, uh, been exciting to to watch this team this year. It's been a lot of a lot of up and downs even for the Thunder. Um, started off slow. Have looked better recently. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be with you guys for that next game against the Kings. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Um, Until next time, thunder up.